0: Hey Jim, is that you? That's me. Okay. I can hear you fine, live and in person. Beautiful.
1: Excellent. Well, this is Jim English, and welcome Dave and Jim on the Who Gives A Shit Files. And this is our NBA podcast. And guess what? After the NBA, we're gonna resort to some history. So Super Dave and I are gonna talk a little history. I'll bet you're looking forward to that, Dave.
0: Oh, I sure am, Jim. And I I listened to your podcast on the uh, Tommy Smith, John Carlos. And uh, I have to admit, I was one of those guys duped by the media thinking that that was all about black power. But uh, you set us all straight. And and you have a wonderful way of of replaying history in a digestible manner, Jim. And I look forward to delving into some other parts of history with you.
1: Oh, I can't wait. And thank, thank you for the kind words, Super Dave. And also too, is we should say that Dave and I have cast our friend, Randy Larson. And you, would you like to say some words about him? Of course you would.
0: Oh, always Jim, you know, because he's, he's so fondly remembered by so many of us for so many different reasons. You know, the, the incredible basketball player he was was only matched by the the wonderful person he was and the unique genius that was Randy Larson. So I uh, knew him for 50 years, Jim, and uh, uh, really a big hole in my in my life. But uh, it's really nice to have a, a podcast like this that you and I dedicate to his memory.
1: And, you know, I was thinking about it the other day because I wanted to talk about something, and everybody talks about it basketball everybody talks about what great guy he was and the women he got great one thing i wanted to talk about is he was such a great cook and he was always willing to share his meal even after uh, we were anymore i remember dropping by his house i was riding my bike thought i'd stop in and say hi and there he was and it's like you know what let's have dinner you know i'll cook you dinner so I cooked this dinner, and we drank a bunch of wine, and I had to walk my bike home. Um, but, you know, a generous beyond words, intelligent it, I've ever seen. And, you know, I he's had an NBA, NBA jump shot as well.
0: Oh, yeah. No, he, he was a scoring machine, and that's how I first met him down at Live Oak Park, and uh, I took one look at the the lay of the land down there, and I said, "Oh my gosh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go head to head with that guy at some point." And uh, we became uh, competitors and uh, eventually friends through that association. And, but what a wonderful era we lived through uh, with those beach cities uh, back in the '70s and '80s, Jim.
1: It was a ball. ball. I, I met friends that I still am in touch with today. Even though I've moved, we both moved away from the South Bay. You know, we're still in touch with people. We still hang out. And by the way, they're talking about having memorial annually for Randy at the same place at his 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 wake. So that, oh, that was-, was that was
0: yeah, that was great.
1: And I look forward to seeing you there, Super Dave. So super Dave, what are you seeing in these days? Any trail well, I thought we I thought
0: I thought we'd get out your therapeutic couch, uh, Jim, oh, and maybe Jesus. maybe go over the, the, the Lakers demise with you.
1: this, this is it has gone from from terrible to reprehensible to scandalous. I mean, this is a proud brand tradition. You know, us and the Celtics have this, the most NBA championships. We yep. have more NBA finals. We've been in more NBA playoff games. Lakers now are awful. What we have is a situation where their star player and, the, and their former best player putting figures at each other. My lord, what a match!
0: Who is calling? You know, the it's, shots there is is Palinka and and Rambus? Who is who is the general manager? I, it's hard to decide who's making the calls there, and does Genie have input? And what's where? What, what, who's made, making those decisions there?
1: I talked to LeBron's camp. Okay, LeBron saying that everybody in the responsible for the front office, including Magic Johnson are saying that LeBron is in charge of this. And the front office is saying Magic Johnson is speaking now from the front office, which is just awful now because you have, you know, maybe the best Laker of all time talking about the current, maybe the best player of all time. And they're pointing fingers at each other. I mean, this is just awful. And, you know, I hear something I want to be crystal clear on is people start bad mouthing Frank Vogel, the coach, and do not go there, please. You got I, the I don't assign any
0: blame to Vogel at all.
1: He is the epitome of class. He is ridden above this acrimony between the two different camps. And he is like, Conducted himself with class and dignity and intelligence. And he has not said a bad word about me. I mean, he has Westbrook, but he didn't badmouth. You know, and you got all these people pointing and, you know, we've talked. Super day. And by the way, I appreciate you letting me get on my couch. It's, it's extremely therapeutic.
0: We should explain and, that, that we have talked about this, that that Jim has these passions and these psychological scars from years past of uh, NBA experiences. And we like to, at least this one segment of our show, have him sit down on the couch and we kind of go over these deep-seated feelings you've had for generations, Jim.
1: And I, you know, it is so, that's why we need to meet every Because <laughs>
0: yeah.
1: I, I would... Oh, I, I, I'm my worried about
0: knocking you off the ledge if we we go longer <laughs> than two
1: weeks. Yeah, we got a situation right now. It is just awful, and I you know I want to give out a shout out to Frank Vogel here. It's the oldest team in the NBA history, right? Yeah, and they're the in defense. Efficiency, the ninth, ninth worst team by far in defense. And Frank is a defensive coach and he has done a magnificent job. How about this? You got all these old legs, but they're right at the halfway point in terms of three point shots. So somehow with his defensive team, he is by far in the NBA. As a matter of fact, he's in the middle of the nba in terms of overall defense and he is about the halfway point in three-point shooting field goal i mean it takes a genius to put these old legs so they just don't pass the ball around the perimeter and three point shot super dave
0: well you know that the uh eventual turning point in the uh Lakers missing the playoffs was the game uh, a a week or so ago of the, uh, against the Pelicans. And that was a game where they actually got LeBron and uh, Anthony Davis together. Finally, after months of uh, the two of them missing games, and they both had outstanding games, but the defense, Jim, was their demise. And that was a game that was absolutely essential that they win. And, the defense did not show up for that game. And it was, it was uh, embarrassing to watch that, that uh, uh, you can only attribute it to a lack of effort. And I, I'm not one of those guys that often criticizes a team because you can't tell what's going through people's minds, but I can sure see on the floor when guys cut through the lane and there's no, there's no uh, uh, collapsing. There's, there's no uh, covering for the, the back end. It's, it was just a, abomination of easy shots for the Pelicans
1: oh Brandon Ingram destroyed him yeah. still hasn't played yet and we know who drafted Ingram don't we
0: uh, tell me oh the Lakers yes yeah. the Lakers of course <laughs> Yeah,
1: he was the second pick in the draft I mean for this side of DeMar DeRozan who by the way wanted to be a somebody if you ask Jimmy bush, she said it was LeBron. If you ask LeBron, because it's they're pointing their fingers at each other. They both, you know, they're saying that each of them are saying Westbrook. So we got Westbrook. Well, we could have had DeMar DeRozan, who would be perfect. He is he Brandon Ingram? I think it's mid-range shooters in the NBA. You know, DeMar DeRozan. Be the top 10 in the MVP voting. He's doing a great job for Chicago. He's one of the leaders in scoring. I mean, gosh, we could use him so much, but, but that's the problem. You have everybody pointing at each other, Super Dave. You got to know who is in charge? Is it Kurt Rambis's wife, maybe? I mean, who the Yeah, it sounds like that?
0: she plays a role. That's kind of a weird. You know, I, I'm not one of these guys that attributes uh, as much power to LeBron as everybody else does. I, I'm kind of in a in a room by myself thinking that, yeah, he has some input. He says things. But, you know, they still make the, the real calls at the front office. But we said it here on this, this show, Jim, that uh, Russell Westbrook was was a bad fit from the very beginning. There was no ex- – they, they just sugarcoated it. I can't believe that – everybody uh, 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 and other than us you know kind of went along with it but I I just never thought that was going to work and it's true it's proven to be just uh, an absolute misfit
1: and it's you know it's right like embarrassing to watch a you know the star franchise of the industry personally uh, implode uh, you know their brand is in the it's just awful, right? Now. I mean, what do we have forward to look? To? What do we have to do to look forward in the future? For example, we don't have first draft pick until twenty twenty four, and to do is to. I hope this is what I'm hoping happens. This this is a that maybe just maybe – Ron will go to the Clippers. (laughs) You know, because he's going to stay in L.A. because his family's embroiled there. His business is there. He could go to the Clippers and maybe him and Kawhi and Paul George may be able to do some championship there. You have
0: planted a rumor of rumors. I never thought of that because I thought – yeah, he's uh, LeBron is so encamped in L.A. now uh, you can't see him moving or any reason for them to move him. But uh, the Clippers, wow, that's interesting, Jim. That's a that's a take I I, I wasn't anticipating. But uh, back to the Laker management, uh, I I don't quite understand how Palinka and and Rambus work together. I I've never heard of co-general managers before and. I don't know if, if Rambis has a title or if his wife has a title, but uh, there certainly is something going on there when, when you have a roster as old as that uh, with a misfit of, of Westbrook and the contract that is so uh, burdensome to the team long range. Uh, it, they've, they've got some irreconcilable problems, Jim, moving forward. I don't think this is a, a one-year demise. This could, this could
1: last several years. This is this is like the meltdown of Chernobyl, I, you know. <laughs> this this is three miles. You know, it's gonna be years, years, decade, it'll be a decade until this franchise turns itself around and becomes relevant. I mean, you just forty seven million dollars on Westbrook. Who's gonna pay that? Nobody. They tried
0: before the trading deadline to move him, but it was that contract, uh, and people wanted – it was so bad that people wanted the Lakers to throw in a number one draft choice along with Westbrook because they need some incentive to take on that contract. And it's so uh, inhibitive to filling out a full roster when you have a contract like that. And and Westbrook is – he's got some unique qualities – but they, they don't translate into every system that's the problem
1: yeah I'm thinking that you know it's either either LeBron who or there's an 8.0 earthquake in LA sinks in San Andreas fault that's our own that's it well
0: I think it already imploded without any earthquake but uh, <laughs> I do think that I, I do think that uh, Anthony Davis, probably could be the the guy to go believe it or not because I, I i think even the most rudimentary nba expert will tell you that this guy can't be counted on for a full season and it's not going to work with a with an aging uh lebron a misfit in westbrook and, a, and an old roster that doesn't have enough shooters on it There, there, like you said this is a this is multiple years, maybe a decade, before they turn it around. And if, it, and, and if the head of the snake uh, is not uh, healthy, uh, the rest of the snake is not going to do too much. And I think Jeannie Buss is in over her, her high heels uh, in uh, the ownership <laughs> of the team.
1: Yeah, they're, you know, the, the, the problem, the, you know, here's is the president is awful future looks much, much worse.
0: Oh, oh, let me get a cold washcloth for your head, Jim. This, oh this is a really tough, tough session for, for me to see you suffering like this. Oh, well, it's been 16 <laughs> this is, minutes of venting and 16 Okay, We better, you. You. We better change you. the subject, Jim, or I don't know if we'll make it through the whole
1: hour. I may uh, end up like off the ledge here, you know? So so what are you in terms of trends in the NBA right now anything that catch
0: Oh yes what catches my eye is the uncertainty of the starting lineups of any team that you might be pulling for watching being interested in the the lack of uh, consistency in the health and the the playability of the NBA player now is uh, at an all-time low. It is so unprecedented. I mean, uh, John Morant, we have talked about as a, as a as a budding superstar, and now he's been gone for almost a month. And uh, Steph Curry uh, out for Golden State, kind of uh, compromises their uh, chances. We've talked about the Chicago Bulls and how they've kind of uh, slipped. Well, I think. Uh, 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 the uh, Lamar Ball, um, or Lonzo Ball being hurt since January has really hurt that team because he was he was just putting everything together for the Bulls, uh, and then Chris Paul now being back for Phoenix, but uh, the other teams are missing some of their some of their stars. So you you just don't know if there's any team that looks like the team that came out of the All-Star break is going to be the team that starts the playoffs.
1: I mean, how much of that, Dave, you're a student in the NBA, how much of that Super game do you think are players taking themselves for the playoffs versus the actual these caused by the rigor of the NBA season, the travel, all the games, back-to-backs, do you have a what percent is once again, you know, to injuries to the rigors? How much is saving themselves for the playoffs?
0: I think it's more of the uh, uh, the first thing, the former that you uh, cited is the the sort of the load management, the uh, the, the the management of their own playing time. That is it's not up to the coach anymore. It's, it's uh, in fact, one of the examples is the that final game of the Lakers had to possibly continue their chances of the playoffs. Well, LeBron decides after he played the game after his ankle injury, then the next game he doesn't play because of his ankle injury. I don't, I don't understand that. I uh, I've been a player for many decades and I had hundreds of sprained ankles and, uh, you know, when they start to get better, they get better. They don't kind of go up and down, Jim.
1: Yeah, no question about it. And you know, that's what's there is in the starting line, now. What's good, like you know, you mentioned you mentioned Golden State. You know, Golden State is thir- still third in the West, right? With that injury yep. to Steph Curry, and they're going to be set up. I, I you know, I still like them. But I set up real well for the future because our young stars now are becoming primetime captains.
0: Oh yeah, and I and I told you I think that uh, Clay Thompson will do nothing but get him as the season progresses. So that's why I, I kind of went out a couple of shows ago and sort of told you that I thought that that Golden State would come on, but with Curry Injury—that's uh, uh, that's really uh, hard to predict now. But I, I do think that some of their uh, some of their young players, uh, that, that Kuminga is going to be a, a real star in the making, and uh, uh, and I think that uh, uh,
1: Jordan Poole. Weissman has, has got to
0: get back in the lineup, and Wiggins has taken his game to another level.
1: Yeah, there. I think the future looks really good for them and I think Steph Curry you know, I think Steph Curry's at the age now where he's going to have to do more load management, you know, like LeBron, like and, you know, but he's got a lot of young legs surrounding him. I mean, that's one big difference between LeBron and Steph is that Steph has got these young legs surrounding legs and LeBron god has got, you know, a nursing home surrounded, you know, or well, his, his.
0: Oh, please don't encourage load management, Jim. We don't need that. I think that, you know, once again, you and I were both basketball players and, you know, I played every day. I played with injuries. It was nothing could stop me from playing. They, they are, they are, these players are just babying themselves now, you know, it's just a, uh, it's just a different game, and I and I don't have a lot of sympathy for teams that don't uh, take you know take into account the fact that uh, you know they you have to have a team that's playing together as you get into the playoffs and and peaking at the right time. So I think this whole playoff is going to be fascinating, Jim, because I, I there, there's no consistency. I can't I can't tell you now. We've been we've been predicting the last couple of shows who's going to emerge from from each conference, and now it's it, it's it's getting more and more confusing. Instead of getting uh, much clearer as we go along,
1: you know, and it's you know I agree with you. And you know, let's talk about the West West a little bit, since uh, I mean there is no team that, with the exception of that, is better than six and four. ten games. None, not one. Okay. And I'm sorry, I take that back. This is eight and two, and Memphis. You know that's what I find interesting. Is that Memphis is doing better from a percent standpoint without John Morant than with John Morant.
0: Oh, I think I think there's something like twenty and two or twenty two and three or something with Morant out. I it's it's, it's staggering uh, to, to to understand that one that's that. But yeah, Memphis is playing at a high level, and now Dallas is coming back as uh, uh, Luka Donich is starting to really uh, crank it up. Uh, So, and of course, Jokic on Denver is just playing at at an incredible level. And that Denver Nugget team is going to be a force in the playoffs. Oh,
1: yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it's going to be, I I don't see anybody beating Phoenix. Um, They're doing so well uh, you know and it's also like they're they're uh, they're really high in hitting the three point percentage they're really high in field goal percentage, they're also third in the nba in defensive efficiency I, you know and i don't see anybody really stepping up dallas is looking pretty good and you know leave it to me as soon as i make a bold statement that minnesota is on a step back they're only five and five in their last 10 games so the it looks to me like what we're seeing in the west kind of mediocrity setting in with the phoenix suns taking like guess you'd have to say memphis too like a two-horse race in the west what do you see
0: well i i i, I somewhat agree with you uh, but i think dallas is uh is is coming on too along with memphis and denver uh so i think those teams are going to uh at least push uh phoenix but yeah uh, of all the teams the uh uh the, the suns seem to be most consistent they have the uh, now that chris paul seems to be back and, and and rounding into form i think they're the safest bet and uh any team that uh is going to challenge them is going to it's going to have to play at an incredibly high level because uh, we know from last year's experience that that they gave Milwaukee everything they could handle, and now they've just continued that another year. So uh, Phoenix is now emerges really odds-on favorite. But uh, um, I, oh, I got an interesting stat for you uh, that on this day in 1997, the Dallas Mavericks scored the least amount of points in a third quarter in the history of the NBA. Can you tell me how many points that was that Dallas
1: scored? Seven. Two. No. They they
0: scored two points in the third quarter in 1997 on this date. Just a little
1: trivia. They play it, you know.
0: Uh yeah, I did know they who they are playing uh um because I think they they only lost by seven points. God, I can't I can't remember who it was now. And the next 19, uh go ahead the next lowest was actually the same year, and I think that was the Knicks scored five points in the third quarter.
1: God you know day- nineteen ninety seven they should have you a call, they couldn't hold you down to just two points in one quarter.
0: Yeah, that's true. Back in 97, I still had a little bit left in the tank. Not much, but I had a little bit left. <laughs> you go back to 67 though, Jim. I could I could have been a contender.
1: Yeah, you and uh Marlon Brando from uh on the waterfront. Yeah,
0: so- you, you should you should have looked out for me just a little bit. You were my brother, Jim. <laughs>
1: That's good. Well, maybe we should do an old movies podcast too. I'm, I'm
0: ready for that, Jim. I'm ready for anything with you because
1: I, I figured you I really be. admire your
0: style. It's it's really classic.
1: Uh, we got a little synergy work in here. Thank you. Thank you, Super Dave. And also, too, as I want to mention on every podcast, if you're just listening to this, Super Dave did not give himself that nickname. He was because of. It was another day, so I didn't think I'm dealing with an egotistical. Player. So, another, thing I'm glad you about-
0: squeezed that disclaimer in, Jim. I was a little worried <laughs> we, we'd we gone almost a half hour without you letting the people know that I'm not some egomaniac. But yeah, we have a mutual friend who was also a good friend of Randy Larson, Dave Hellman, and we have a, a an email group that we uh, share with each other and distinguish myself. Uh, from Dave Hellman, as I I use my nickname of uh, Super Dave. So, uh, but that was given to me by a social media company that found out some of my background and some of the things I've done. So it was kind of cool. But I am glad you never forget to throw that uh, little disclaimer in about my nickname.
1: And also, since we're we should give a shout out to Dave Hellman because he is that got. All of our basketball players together in an email. He coordinated the party for Randy Larson. who was a very good player, right? And played four years at Colgate University in New York. So a shout out to Dave. Now a point I wanted to make before we move from the West. Well, let me just
0: finish it, up on Dave Hellman real quick. I call him sure. Hondo Hondo Hellman because he's. He was such an aggressive, uh, nonstop player, uh, undersized, but went against the big boys and uh, a real force and a real good friend to Randy's. And they, the two of them made a force. So I just wanted to shout out to Hondo Hellman.
1: Hondo Hellman. So another thing about the Phoenix Suns that is interesting is that in the past, like with the Clippers, and um i'm i'm blanking who's their star who's got him getting seat um, huh? oh, no. oh, oh, uh the uh,
0: Suns? devin booker devin booker
1: who's the point guard why can't i think of his name? that's so pretty. chris paul Chris chris paul chris paul cp3 so cp3 this this is security message like he has in other years, and yeah, they still piece could prove
0: website. Oh, it is, it is really uh, uh, interesting to watch Chris Paul navigate. He, he is the ball distributor uh, and the consummate point guard for three quarters. And then in the fourth quarter, if you give him any room, he hits that mid-range pull-up jump shot uh, uncanny accuracy and takes over the last three or four minutes of a game. Like nobody I can remember. Uh, he doesn't do it uh, consciously almost for the whole game, but when the game's on the line, it's sort of like LeBron does sometime when LeBron decides he's got to go into a scoring mode or a distribution mode. He sort of uh, adapts his style to whatever the game may dictate. Uh, Chris Paul does that with Phoenix and it's brilliant to watch how, you know, Booker will take a back seat and then he'll he'll, he'll start doing pick and rolls with uh, DeAndre Ayton. And uh, it's, a, it's a unique team and a unique uh, uh, style of a player uh, of the caliber of CP3, Chris Paul.
1: I think they're loaded. And they're also consistent, you know, about who they've been playing from game to game. So they have chemistry. They were tough. They were they were toughened up last year. I never thought they were going to make it to the uh last year. And they did. I think this is the I guess you never know.
0: Bridges is quite a player that's emerging for them too.
1: And they got a deep bench. Uh, they're you know, they they've been consistent all year. Best record in the NBA. They play tough defense. And Chris Paul can take over a game anytime he wants to. And you know what it's interesting Chris Paul, too, is he only takes over when he needs to. He's not one of these guys that, like, statistical and says, okay, I have to be the man every game. I'm I'm only the man for the last. last If I'll I'll give it up. I'll let let the other guys score.
0: Exactly.
1: So let west. Uh, what do you I'm sorry, the east. So what do you see happening there? that's a that's a little more interesting. you got a couple of teams they're pretty hot there. you know? You know Miami is number one, four in their last ten. Philadelphia's doing pretty well. And then Boston is still they're eight and two. How do you see the West unfolding?
0: East, East,
1: East, east. excuse
0: me. Stay in the East now, Jim. Uh yeah, no, I we talked about it our last show that I I still see the Celtics being so consistent with their defense. And and defense is a much more consistent part of the game. You don't often see a team though that is so standout. Uh, on that side of the uh, the ball, that you can count on it, but the the Celtics are far and away to me the best defensive team I've seen this year, and I think that's going to carry them uh, all the way to the finals in the East. Now, uh, I told you about uh, Alonzo Ball being out for Chicago and the way they've played the last month. I don't I don't see them being a force. Cleveland and Miami, I think, are the 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 next two teams. Uh, I, I, I don't see the Sixers. Uh, with Embiid, counting on Embiid for so much, uh, I, I don't necessarily see them uh, as, as I do the Bucks and Cleveland and Miami as being the, uh, the, the teams to battle out with Boston.
1: I agree. And, you know, it's interesting with Philly is that, you know, Tobias Harris, who is probably the third best player on that team, is really struggling to find his role. And their their chemistry is not as good. I mean, initially when Harden came in, everybody's excited and you know Ben Simmons is gone, so that's been cut out. But I just haven't seen them develop. They're six and four in their last ten games, but I, I just I just don't see them as consistent like you said on defense. As as uh, as Boston,
0: and, and Harden, uh, his game seems to have a struggle in the playoffs. When it, uh, the the playoffs is a, and you, you know this from years past, Jim. It's a different brand of basketball that's played. It's not as wide open. Uh, defense takes a, a a bigger role, and and the superstars have to adjust their games, and the defenses are geared to stop somebody like Harden, and it's going to be Embiid uh, that's going to, going to have to bring that team home. I, I don't think Harden is uh, somebody you can count on, but uh, that that, un, that that little uh, mongoose that's l- lurking in the weeds is that net team, the way Kyrie Irving is playing. Have you seen him lately, Jim?
1: And yes, I have. You know, that's interesting you say that because if he plays they're going to be a tough because he is going to have the freshest legs in the NBA. And, you know, he, he does miraculous things and unbelievable things on a basketball court.
0: I think, I I think, I think a lot of people have have ranked uh, Steph Curry and probably Chris Paul up there with the best ball handlers, maybe, maybe John Morant, but uh, I think Kyrie Irving I've never seen a guy that had uh, maybe Earl the Pearl Monroe in his prime, but the ball sticks to his hand. It's, it's incredible how he, he can pivot either way, use either hand. And uh, Irving is a, a player that can pull up for the three. He can do the, the mid-range pull-up jump shot, but he can go to the hole, Jim, with either hand and finish uh, unbelievable at the basket over the big boys.
1: There is, you know, I was trying to think of who he reminds me of, Kyrie. And now is Earl Monroe. And for yeah. those you don't know. Was, just
0: remember, yeah, when we saw him first, Jim, remember how we, we almost blinked our eyes? There. We couldn't believe what we were seeing with the ball handle.
1: I remember Kareem playing with him in, in the Baker League, playing against him in the Baker League. And, you know, because he was in, they were both like really young and they were playing in Harlem. Kareem says he was mesmerizing. And the way he would reverse pivot three, he was like Barishnikov. He's like a, a, you know, a ballet star. The way he moved, the way he pivots, the way that the ball, like you said, stuck to his hand. And, and that's what Kyrie does. He is, you know, he's Curly Neal.
0: Magical
1: players, and he, you know, and he's assassin. He's got the mid range. He's got the, you know, he can go to the basket. He's got. He's fearless. He, you know, that's, are something to watch if he plays, and Durant is healthy, and Simmons plays. Well, also
0: notice. Notice that you don't see a change of expression on his face at all, no matter what he's doing on the court.
1: No, and it, it's, you know, if when you get somebody like, you know, two officers that are singular, unique offensive forces, like KD and Kyrie on the court at the same time, if Ben Simmons can get in shape and play, and be the most versatile defensive player in the NBA like he has been the last five. You know, Superdive, they're going to be a tough out.
0: Well, that Simmons, you're going to have to wait till next year. He, I can't see him contributing anything if he gets back on the floor. He's just – he's been too dormant for too long. But you're right. You know, eventually, if those three play together, uh, they're going to be a real force. But uh, back to your uh, – comment about Durant and our Irving together. what's beautiful to, to watch is their complementary nature they can they can play together and we talked about this there's there's a there's different chemistry that happens on a basketball court you can put two or three really outstanding players together and they work uh, just fine and otherwise uh, other combinations just don't work. Irving and Durant work together and if they get any other help, uh, they're a team that actually could make a dent in that playoff, but it's unlikely, but uh, I wouldn't totally count them out.
1: An excellent compliment. You know, it's like, that. you know, we discussed and touched on a little bit this podcast, we discussed in another podcast, that, that um, Westbrook and LeBron are not complimentary. They do the same thing. You not know? at all. Yeah. But Kyrie and 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 KD, when they're on the court at the same time, get each other's way. You know no, they defer seamless. to each other. They're I, I, they're willing passers. It is amazing how much they complement themselves. Now, I know that you know, I, I, and I'll say this: I know you don't think that um, that Ben Simmons is going to play, but. You know, the thing is, if they can get 20 minutes of solid defense from him, you know, I just, they're going to be, that's going to be a tough out. And, you know, it's interesting is, you know, we talked in previous podcast, going back to the Celtics, how um, Jalen Brown and Taylor were not compatible. And now all of a sudden they are. Isn't that amazing?
0: Yes, it, it really is. And and you, you use two words with Durant and Irving that is really good. We can use it with uh, Brown and Tatum too. Is defer to the other and willing to pass. Kevin Durant for the o- offensive force. He's unstoppable offensively. Unstoppable, literally. You can't you can't block his shot. He can pull up from uh, from mid range and he can shoot the three and he can go to the hole. But with all that versatility, he passes the ball. He gets rid of it when he's double teamed, and uh, it's brilliant how he and Irving work together. And I think the Celtics have the same thing going now uh, with their two stars that 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 don't seem that that seem more alike than the any of the other combos that we've talked about. But they're not really, and they're they're learning to play together. And so yeah, there's a there's an interesting dynamics, and in I. I think our podcast here, Jim, helps people discern these things when they're watching the games. If they're only a casual NBA fan, if they listen to what you and I are describing for them, it might tickle their interest and they might uh, be a little more observant of what they're seeing on the court because you and I appreciate the same things and it's it's really interesting to uh, – because you and I don't rehearse this at all, but I hear you echoing thoughts of mine – uh, that, that I haven't articulated, but we're we're on the same page as usual, Jim.
1: And it's going to be, it, you know, it's going to be fascinating to see how KD and Kyrie do in the playoffs because they're low in the power rankings. And oh, deservedly so. Yeah. Yeah. And but I mean, you know, Kyrie is. I have seen. His, of times this year and just recently and he he is wizard-like now I did see an unbelievable game where um Kyrie and KD were on and they went into Memphis and still got their butts kicked by the Memphis Grizzlies without Ja Morant I mean that yeah. was a hell of a game they are you know Memphis gets loaded with players but I'm I'm towards the west and we stick to the east so what do you see unfolding in the east who do you think is going to represent the east
0: i'm sticking i'm sticking with boston and i'm not pulling for them like i used to i i, I haven't liked the uh the way the team has evolved player just it's, it's really nothing prejudicial about the players per se but the style there's not enough style and, and unique qualities to the Celtics. And I'm just not, uh, but, but I think their, their defense and, and as great as Tatum is playing and how they're being coached. Uh, I, I, I think the Celtics are, uh, are odds on favorite for me to, 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 to get by probably the bucks in the, in the East.
1: That's what I think too. I think they're just playing too well. I think Tatum is big enough to keep, you know, Giannis in check. I mean, you're not going to stop him. I mean, the guy's just a ridiculous talent, fast and downhill. Uh, you know, he's 6'11", and Tatum is 6'9". And also, too, you know, when you look at Celtics, the unsung hero there, I think, is Marcus Smart. He's a, a- linebacker playing football. He's only 6'4". Boy, but he is just in defense he hits the three he's like the draymond green of the celtics
0: oh wait a minute jim i forgot to uh, include uh and, and i i don't know how I'll, this slipped by me or b- both of us but uh the guy that you talked about in our last show uh rob williams uh the, the the rim protector he's he's out right now i don't know how long he's out for but that's the an injury that i didn't mention at the beginning of the show that's going to affect the Celtics and their defense uh, Williams there in the center he's hurt
1: and he is the NBA he I'm not I don't I don't know if he's in the top three or four in bloch one of those, you know one of those statistical categories that can change from one game to another even this late in the season but he is one shot blockers in the NBA and you're right is out. Now I believe kind of back, but you know, even without they're still eight. And two. I mean, they're playing really good basketball all over, all around.
0: Yes, they are. Uh, we just somehow did, did not let me see if I can see anything on that, but that is a, that is such a huge part. It says, uh, that he's out and they're going to, it's a a torn meniscus in his left knee, which is his jumping knee. And uh, I I don't know what his status is for the playoffs.
1: Well, hopefully he's going to come back. Now I know a lot of us mentioned Miami and Miami is number, you know, they've got their number one in the East. They're the number one seed as of right now. What do you think of that team? I
0: I, I like I like that team. I, I I've I told you I've always liked their coach. Uh, I like their consistency. Uh, I I think that they are, are are going to. They're going to carry every, every series they're in to the to the limit. They're got, they're not going to be an easy, uh, easy to close out in their in, in their games.
1: Yeah, I think that they're, they're, you know, the the problem I see with Miami is that you know live and die a lot. Three point shot. They got a bunch of mad bombers: Hero and Duncan Robinson, and you know Ricky Butler shoots the three, and you know I think it's come Grunt out, you know a defensive uh, they're going to go down in the second. That's that's my prediction. Um, It's been uh, Jimmy Butler has been. And I just don't see it. I just don't see it happening. You know, it's funny like four, three, four years ago was everybody was in the West. Now it seems like the East, with the exception of Phoenix, as you know, they're loaded now and they're hot right now, so it'll be interesting to see.
0: Yeah, uh, 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 Adebayo is quite a force, uh, inside for that team, too. Uh, and uh, like you said, Hero is kind of hit and miss with his his wild shooting, uh, and Butler has got to be healthy and he's got to be leading the team. But uh, I still think Spolstra, boy, he. He gets the most out of his players. I, I really admire him. Now he's he's come back after losing the LeBron years, you know. But uh, uh, that's a fascinating team, the Miami Heat.
1: Yeah, he's a damn good coach. I mean, there's no question. I saw in a game where he and Butler, uh, you know, were like yelling at each other be separated on the sideline. And I like the way to the... handled it post-game interview he said you know we're both very competitive men both want to win and we're not doing that well now and we both hate it and we started that nobody's going to apologize to anybody for that sort of intensity and I love the way he handled that just you know we're you know we're competitive men and we're going to butt heads and that's the way it is
0: yeah that's true that's the reality." And uh, yeah, this is, uh, you got to put your big boy pants on in the NBA.
1: You do now. So, you know, I'm to switch it up a little bit. Okay. I hope you don't mind here. And That's, as we discuss unrehearsed discussions on the MVP, we kind of wrap that up with who's going to be MVP. What does MVP mean to you? Some people say, Oh, it's a statistic categories. You know, whoever excels the most at the most stats should get it. Or it's like, if you take this person off the team, what would their record look like with that? Or this guy such and he score. What does the MVP mean to you? And what, when you decide who the MVP, what criteria do you use?
0: That's a, that's a really good question, Jim, because it's not often asked. People just uh, put forth their opinion and with, without standards, without criteria uh, that, that, that really enforces uh, and buttresses your arguments, you, it's really pointless. It's just a, a matter of opinion. And either way you go, it's a matter of opinion. But I personally go uh, with a more statistical basis. Uh, uh and uh kind of an imagery of what happens if this player is taken off the team because when, when you add the word value to uh, uh that award i think that's the the thing that really shows with or without somebody is going to really determine their their value and i don't and i hardly ever put the full impact of the the, the team's record it's a this is an individual award in the context of a team sport. So I, I, I focus more towards the individual. And the way I see the stats and the way I see the game being played on the floor and how much these players mean to each other, I still go with Nikola Jokic is the, is the MVP in my mind because I've never seen a center that's so multi-talented that does everything at the high, the high level he does. There's been better rebounders, better passers, better scorers. But I've never seen a guy go out to the free throw line, top of the key, and as a center and, and really be the point man for the offense. And, and that's what Jokic means to that team. And you can see that, how they lack uh, any continuity when he goes out of the game. Great seasons, though, by Joel Embiid and uh, uh, Antetokounmpo. Those guys are great. And uh, Luka Doncic is coming up. Uh, I really, really respect his game. Uh, but I, I personally think based on statistical and value to the team, I like Jokic.
1: And, you know, so, you know, it's interesting because, you know, I have, the, I have the same four and I think it's there's no question it's coming down to this. And, you know, Dokic is averaging 27 points, Five. almost 14 rebounds, 7 assists, 1.4 steals and he's he's shooting 58 from the field. And uh. what I did, I mean, you know, and all the other you know, Joel is 30 points and two assists uh, you nope. know, uh, 11 6 rebounds it's, it's I think it's interesting and then Bieber averaging the same rebounds. You know, Giannis almost 30 points a game. Luca 28, 9, and 8.7. But I I agree with you. And what was interesting, too, is I said, okay, now that's you know, manifestation of offense is really easy to quantify. But what about defense? What I found is that most of the defensive websites that talked in the NBA were subjective. And Joel and Giannis and were all in the five. Luca was five. So you, so you can, can make what this website, by the way, Mark,
0: Wow.
1: According to the website I saw. So you can make all, all the. These three players up throughout Luka because he was not one of the defensive players. But all three players have, you know, offensive stats. But I have to tell you that I think that without um, the Joker, that his team would probably be the worst without him.
0: Yep, I, I hadn't really gone to that depth but I think you're right uh, that his surrounding cast is cannot be compared to those other players we're talking about I, he he absolutely heightens the value of all those other players and you can it's just a it's miraculous to watch I'm, I've been seeing the game for 50 60 years and I I don't ever remember seeing a big man control the offense like Jokic, Jokic does and he's He's so modest. If you hear him interviewed after the game, and he does, he does just what's needed uh, at the right time. It's 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 uncanny to watch.
1: He's he has got, and uh, you know the highest. Well, uh, you know I don't know. In my opinion, he's got the highest basketball. A lot of you know, players, but he's in the right place at the right time. And you know, based on the definition, and once again. You know, skew definition any way you want to, because the NBA doesn't clearly define what they mean by most valuable. But if you're looking for statistical domination and how the team would do without him, I think it's inevitable that you're gonna with with the Joker. Because look at Embiid. I mean, he's got he's got two stars. He's got a current All Star and a former All Star. He's playing with Giannis. Has got. Middleton and holiday and some other players that are really, you know, Joker's got Aaron Gordon who's Murray all year. I, you know, I think they would be terrible because Aaron, he's a pretty good player, but when he was on the Milwaukee, uh, I'm sorry, he was on the Orlando magic. They were nothing. He can't carry a team. He's good supplemental piece. And part of the core that you could build around, but based on statistical dominance and how the team would be without you know, I think that I think we end up with again two podcasts in a super day
0: well, I think Jim, you need to find another partner because I agree with you too much jim this is uh this is getting a little bit uh, monotonous, but you and I being on the same page so often. Uh, I think you better find somebody else because we're too much alike, Jim.
1: <laughs> Super Dave, I enjoy this. And thank you for uh, We're approaching an hour now. So what do you like to say about basketball?
0: I am looking forward to the playoffs like never before because of uh, mostly because of this podcast, because it's it's fascinating to have somebody – we kid about it, but we're like-minded. We're the same generation. Uh, we have a lot of the same background, uh, but we still look at the game. Uh, uh, you know, We scrutinize it, and it's really interesting to share ideas. And now as we project uh, uh, sort of uh, not real predictions, but really forecasting our, our thoughts, it's going to be fascinating to see how close we are uh, on our analysis, Jim. So uh, I'm just saying I'm really looking forward to this playoff more than any in recent memory
1: me too and super dave i want to thank you and we will see you in two weeks because you know i need the therapy sessions
0: well and if there's any history that we can squeeze in between now and then i want people to listen for our podcast on on an analysis of history just like we do the nba jim
1: all right dave you take care and thanks for joining the who gives a shit file
0: see you jim